God working in and through the lives of his people. As we walk with him, we can trust that he's going to provide a way. He's a way maker. He's a promise keeper. Amen. Amen. And he shows up for his people. And so we can trust him with our lives. And even when everything in our life seems to be falling apart, as David said, Jesus is better. His grace is sufficient for us. He's going to carry us through. And you're not alone. You're not alone because God is with you. And those of us who belong to the body of Christ, we have one another to pursue God and His will for our lives together um, uh, in in community. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Knowing God together. Knowing God together. Here at City Church, you hear us talk a lot about knowing God. This is the most important relationship anybody could ever have, is, is to know the one true God, the one who made you, the one who designed you for relationship with Him, all right? The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, but also who designed you to be in relationship with others, all right? Have you ever heard somebody say, I don't have to go to church to have a relationship with God? I've heard that many times, talking to folks on the street. Or how about, my relationship with God is private. My religion is private. I don't talk about it. Hey, buddy. All right, why don't you go sit down. Thank you. You want to say hi to everybody? Say hi. Hi, Justice. Hi, Justice. Okay. You're precious, buddy. Okay, go sit down. Oh. All right. (laughs) (laughs) Only my son can do that. Nobody else come up here and try to. (laughs) Kevin, next time, yeah, we'll take him out next time. Tackle him. Oh, oh, you're going to go give me a kiss. All right. Thank you. As you can see, we are family here. And uh, very informal. Have you ever heard somebody say, I don't have to go to church to be a Christian? Or, I love God, but I don't really like the church. Not really big on the church thing, right? These are some statements that I've heard over the years in talking to people on the street and some of the struggles that they have. And and when I hear questions or statements like this, I wonder (laughs) what, what is behind these statements. And so I like to probe a little bit. What is going on when, when somebody makes a statement like that, do they mean that I don't have to worship God like others do? Or do, do they mean that I don't have to be committed to a local church community? Or do they mean that I can, I can make God to be whoever or whatever I want him to be? Or I'm not going to let anybody else challenge or influence my view of God. It's just me and him. Now, while it is true that we are to know God personally and intimately, and we don't ride on the coattails of somebody else's relationship with God into heaven. We must know Him. This is eternal life to know God, the one true God in Jesus Christ, whom He sent. Right? 
But nevertheless, our relationship with God and our Christianity is not meant to be kept private. Okay? It's not meant to be kept private. We are called to be salt and light in the world. And we are called to pursue the knowledge of God together in community. In community. Now, I know this goes against the grain of our Western culture, our American culture, that, that idolizes individualism and independence, right? And see, but the Bible uses a lot of we language, a lot of us language, a lot of corporate language that challenges the individualism of our day. And so what we see in scripture is that God calls us to pursue the knowledge of him together with the people of God, with the community of faith, with the body of Christ, with the brothers and sisters that he's placed you with. So what does knowing God have to do with my relationship to the church? And I just want to answer this question before we jump into Acts chapter 2 and we look at the early church and how they pursued the knowledge of God together. First of all, I would say that the nature of our relationship with God is reflected in our love for one another or lack thereof. Okay? See, 1 John puts it like this. He says, Beloved, let us love one another for love is from God and whoever has been born of God and knows Whoever has been born of God, I'm sorry, whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. And anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love has been perfected in us. The second thing is, excuse me. The second thing is, is that each of us, um, we grow in our knowledge of God as we pursue God together in Christian community. You see, each of us who have been made in the image of God and have a relationship with God, who have the spirit of God living inside of us, we are to point to God in our with our words and with our actions with our character we are to reflect the character of Christ in community together and speak the truth of Christ in love for the for for the building up and for the growth of the body of Christ together and so so knowing God and and our relationship to the church are much more connected than a lot of people would realize as one theologian, John Stott, says that it's impossible to be in Christ and not find oneself drawn both to him in trust and to his people in love. Okay? It's impossible. He says, it's, this is a strong statement. It's impossible to be in Christ and not, and not, um, and it's impossible to be in Christ and not to find oneself drawn to him in trust and to his people in love, or C.S. Lewis puts it like this: He says, "God can show Himself. God can show Himself as He really is, only to real men, and that means not simply to men who are individually good, but to men who are united together in a body, loving one another, helping one another, showing Him to one another." 
For that is what God meant humanity to be like. Like players in one band or organs in one body. Consequently, the one reality adequate, one really adequate instrument for learning about God is the whole Christian community waiting for him together. So here's, here's, here's what I'm saying here. We need each other. And God calls us not only into relationship with him, but this fellowship within the body of Christ. And what we see in the book of Acts, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn there, is we see this new society. We see this, this people that, that, that is brought into the family of God, that experiences the promise of God, the forgiveness of God, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, salvation. They experience the knowledge of God together as the gospel is powerfully proclaimed on the day of Pentecost. And the Spirit is poured out and God does what He says He would do in the Old Testament. Pour out His Spirit. Right? Jesus had come. He had lived a perfect life. He had died for the sins of the world. He went to the grave and He was resurrected. And, and over 500 eyewitnesses saw Jesus at once. And he, was, and he stayed around several weeks after his resurrection and he, and he taught about the kingdom of God and he ascended into heaven and he told his disciples to wait for him in prayer until the spirit is given and poured out. And that's what they did. They waited together for the promise that, that God had made, the outpouring of his spirit. And on, on the day of Pentecost, they were, they were doing this in Acts chapter 2. They were waiting and the Spirit showed up in, in, in very profound, significant ways. And people were, were astonished when they saw what was happening. The Spirit was moving upon the disciples. They started speaking in tongues and, 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 and people started glorifying God and praising God. And Peter gets up and he, and, he, and he explains what was going down. What's going on here? We need to understand what is going on here because this is crazy. And Peter preaches a powerful, simple gospel message and 3,000 souls get saved in one day. Man, that must have been awesome. Talk about great works right there. Talk about a great opportunity right there. The Lord working through the life of Peter. But then after that, we see in Acts chapter 2, the church continued. They got saved. They got the gift of the Holy Spirit. They got their sins forgiven. Times of refreshing that come from the presence of the Lord. And it says in Acts 2.42 that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were were together and they had all things in common and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing them the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God, having favor with all people, and the Lord added to their number day by day 
those who were being saved. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Okay, this is a description of what God was up to in the first century in his church, working in and through his church. This is a description of the kingdom of God coming on earth and and spreading. This is the effects of Pentecost, the effects of the gospel of Jesus Christ upon people's lives. And the effects was devotion. Devotion to God, the early church, here's our big idea. The early church was committed to pursuing the knowledge of God together in community, loving one another, and advancing God's mission. This is what we see in Acts chapter 2. They were pursuing the knowledge of God together in community. Okay? There's no place for Lone Star independence in Christianity. I got this, just me and Jesus, right? We're, we're designed to work together as the body of Christ, to pursue Him together. So let's look at what they were devoted to in Acts 2.42. First of all, they were devoted to biblical truth, the apostles' teaching, okay? They were a learning community, Right? And it's important to note that the the work of the Spirit is not incompatible with learning. Okay? Right? The Spirit is the Spirit of truth. He's the one who leads us into the truth. And He reminds us of what Jesus has said. Right? And so they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They were, they were committed to, to hearing the word. They were hungry to hear what the apostles had to say. And the apostles' teaching, they, they were teaching what Jesus taught. And they were expounding upon, and we see the apostles' teaching in the epistles. We, we, we hear about Jesus and about the gospel and how, how we are to live our Christian lives. And, and they give prescription for how we are to live. And so they were devoted. May we too be a church that is devoted. As the Apostle Paul exhorted the Colossians, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. In all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another. With psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. This is what we want to see happen within our community groups. In our home groups. Groups that gather. This is what we want to see happen here in our corporate worship time. Right? We want to see us coming to to gather corporately. Having let the word of Christ dwell in us. Having been students throughout the week. And we come... We come with our hearts full. We come with our minds ready and and ready to worship God. And we sing and we let our voices be heard. We declare our love and our faith in Jesus. And we sing to God and we even sing to one another. We address one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but some of the songs we sing are addressed directly to God personally. And then other songs are Directed to the people of God, right? Sing with me how great is our God, right? And so we come together in this corporate worship experience and we're, we're learned, we hear, we sit under the teaching of scripture, right? And we sing songs 
together that are based upon the truth of Scripture and our hearts and our minds are engaged and we're stirred to believe the truth and apply the truth to our lives. The early church was devoted to biblical truth. Now also they were devoted to fellowship. Okay? To fellowship and the breaking of bread. And the the Greek word for fellowship is koinonia. Okay? It's used 19 times in the New Testament. Sometimes it's translated fellowship. Other times partnership or communion or participation or sharing. And this is exactly what the early church did. They participated together in the gospel of Jesus Christ, in the communion or the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. They experienced forgiveness of their sins. They were brought into the family of God. They had one faith, one Lord, one baptism, one God and Father of us all, as Ephesians 4 says, which is the basis of this unity and diversity. And they shared, they shared their stuff with one another. They shared their life with one another. They did life together. I love this verse in verse 46. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. All right, so there was this the formal corporate worship, right? They, they continued in the temple to meet there. But then they also met in homes and they shared meals together. <laughs> There's something special about sharing a meal with one another. We do that with family, don't we? Around the holidays or birthdays, right? We, we celebrate together. We share a meal together. And there's relational connection that happens around food. I love that verse in Revelation chapter 3 where Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens up, I'll come in, I'll dine with them. Right? There's something special and intimate about sharing a meal together with someone, getting to know one, one another and commune with one another and kind of let the guards down and be known. We're wired for this. God has created us not to be alone. It's not good for man to be alone. He's created us for community. The triune God, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit who always dwelt within community for all eternity and who made us in His image and designed us for community, communion with Him, and communion with the body of Christ. He made us for this. And when we live, try to live without it, we die on the inside. Something is missing on the inside and we wither on the inside. And we know this. We know this from 2020 through the season of social distancing that we went through. How painful that was for so many of us. Some of our folks didn't go to church on a, in a corporate gathering for over a year. There's some, some still, there's many still who still haven't uh, returned to corporate gatherings, right? And the Bible says, don't forsake that. Don't forsake the assembling of ourselves together because you need one another. We need one another. We need the presence of one another. And the screen just doesn't do it. Hey, I'm grateful for those of you who are watching online right now. <laughs> I'm glad that you can tune in. But... If the screen stops or if my, if my voice gets distorted because there's a bad um, 
internet connection or the, the sounds off or something. It distorts the experience, right? And being in the presence of one another, being able to look each other in the face and see clearly and hear uh, tone of voice and body language, we're able to share the joy and the love more effectively together. We absorb one another's presence. We're made to live in this community and knowing one another. But praise God for technology and, and, and the ability to stay connected, at least through through di- digital means. Um, but Hebrews says, don't neglect meeting together, but encourage one another. Consider one another how to stir up love and good deeds. And so here at City Church, we're committed. One of our values is loving community. We're committed to living out the dozens of one another's in, that this new, the New Testament prescribes us with. We're committed to living those out within community, where we know one another, where we, where we know and we're known, where we love one another and we're loved, we're accepted. There's a number of benefits that we experience from this. There's also a number of obstacles. Here's just a few of them. Obstacles to our fellowship, to our gathering together. One is sensationalism, right? An over-focus on some kind of emotional experience, some kind of big, powerful, mighty thing. And, 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 and this, this leads us to, to, to not embrace the mundane ordinariness of relationships and just simple doing life with one another. Okay, idealism. All right, this this is an obstacle to to community because we think, oh, it just everything has to be perfect. Like like some maybe maybe some don't don't host others in their home because they think, well, it just has to be spotless clean. Now I'm one of those clean people. I like to have the house clean. All right, but you know, we, there's only so much we can do. Right, where we want to remove the distractions, we want to make it pleasant, but but. A lot of times our idealism of what we think the gathering should look like or how things should go and the timing and the convenience of things, like, oh, I'm tired or they're tired or, oh, you know, we had this going on. A lot of times this idealism hinders us from gathering together because we think everything just has to be perfectly lined up. What happened to the old days when we were able to just show up at somebody's house without calling or texting or letting them know ahead of time and you're just right at the front door, right? And you're, hey, what's up? Can I hang out? Can we hang out? Uh-huh. I mean, now we might have to go back to, some, for some of us, it might be childhood, right? <laughs> Before cell phones and beepers and all that. But, but we want to be a people that, that invite one another into each other's lives so that we could show up at one another's doorstep and just, and just be like, hey, can we hang out today? You know? Um, where, where, where our lives are open and we're welcoming one another. Um, individualism is another one of those obstacles, right? Many of us in our, with our Western mindset live independent lives. We have our fences, like we have our barriers, right? And, and how people can get in contact with us. And we have our agenda, we have our plans. And individualism often is an enemy and a barrier to to, to fellowship, to loving community. Legalism, of course, is, is, is another one. One where, where those who emphasize rules and regulations and, and put heavy burdens on people and, and look down upon others in judgment and pride 
distort um, God, the gospel and, and the character of God and misrepresent him. And they can stifle out loving fellowship and community. This was a danger within the early church that, that had to be addressed. And, and lastly, lack of margin. I mean, for a lot of us, it's just we live such busy lives and we're distracted. We're, we're, some of us are overworked, right? We've committed, overcommitted ourselves. We've said yes to too many things that there's no space in our, in our lives for others to, to meet together, to come over for a meal, to, to grab lunch together. J.D. Greer says that our heart may be in the right place, but our calendar isn't. We may like, we're, we're like, we want to meet with others. We love people, but it's like our calendar is so booked. There's no space for the, for the people of God to gather with them. I commend you for being here this morning, right? Glad that you're here. And, and I love, and let me just say this about City Church, and I, not, others have pointed this out too. We like to linger here after the service. Like, usually we end at 12. I, I try to stop preaching at by 12, okay? Just so you know, that's my aim. Sometimes I go, I, I transgress that, that limit there. But, but afterwards, there's, there's just noise and life and just connecting. And, and that just, it goes on to 1 o'clock, to 2 o'clock. We start getting hungry. We're like, we should go to lunch, right? We should continue this fellowship over lunch, right? And then we have community group tonight. We're going to watch the Cowboys together at 530. We're going to start early so we can watch the Cowboys together and fellowship around that. What's that? Green together. Green together, yeah. And so here, here at a church, we do value loving community. It stands out. And I love, I love the diversity that we have and that because of the gospel of Jesus Christ, because we major on the majors here, knowing Jesus and loving people and, and impacting the world, living on mission, because we major on the majors, we're able to unite around that common mission, unite around that common faith, unite around that common love that we have in Christ, the encouragement, the love, the sympathy that we have in Christ. And we're able to look across, reach past the, the barriers and look, um, um, reach past the differences and love one another. Here's a great, there's a book by Dietrich Bonhoeffer called Life Together. I highly recommend the chapter on uh, community. Um, and, and he talks, he says this, he says, um, only God knows the real state of our fellowship, our sanctification. What may appear weak and trifling to us may be great and glorious to God. Just as the Christian should not be constantly taking his pulse, so too the Christian, the Christian community has, has not been given to us by God for us to constantly be taking its temperature. Okay? Idealism. Or maybe legalism. You know? Kind of being overbearing with one another. And so God knows the state of our fellowship. And I, I believe that he's delighted with City Church Garland. Jesus prayed for the unity, the unity of the church before he went to the cross. That He said, Father, may they be one as you and I are one. This is the heart of Jesus. 
the Apostle Paul had much to say in, in prescribing and instructing the church to be humble, to be in harmony with one another, to, to get along, to be committed to one another, all because Jesus has treated us that way as the basis. What we also see in the book of Acts, uh, chapter 2, verse 42, is that they were devoted to prayer. They were devoted to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread in, in the context of sharing meals together. They would partake of the Lord's Supper, which was a visual <laughs> reminder for them of, of what unites them and what was, what's the basis of their relationship with God and with one another. And we do that every week here. We're reminded of the central gospel truth that our sins have been forgiven and, and, and that God has redeemed us and we are his people and together we are his people. And he, he shows up. I love how God shows up in the, in the midst when we gather corporately. Like I know God meets us in the secret place. Jesus said, when you pray, go pray in the secret. Don't, don't pray to be seen by other people. Right? But he's, he's not discouraging corporate prayer and worship and saying that. He's saying just don't make a show out of your prayer life. Like it, it's, you need to be authentically connecting with God, not to be seen by people as spiritual. Otherwise, you lose your reward when that's your focus. And God meets us in the secret place, but, but God also meets us in the corporate gathering. In a, in a really special way, in a way that I've experienced God in, in, a, in, in a different way when I, in, with the people of God, when we, when we gather together and sing together. Um, think about the Lord's Prayer and, and how Jesus taught us to, to pray. Notice in, in the Lord's Prayer, a lot of the, the our and the we language, and the us language, right? Our Father, who art in heaven, Give us this daily bread. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us of our debts as we forgive our debtors. Deliver us from the evil one. Lead us not into temptation. The implication within the Lord's Prayer is that we are to pray with the people of God in view. Now, of course, it's great and appropriate to pray for ourselves. But we're to pray with the people of God in view. We are his children. We are his people. And we are to pray for one another. We are to be devoted to prayer personally and in the secret place, but also as we gather together. By the way, every Tuesday morning at 8 o'clock, we're here praying right here. So if you want to gather with just a, a handful of people praying for our church, praying for our city, praying for our nation, come join us on Tuesday mornings at 8 o'clock. We value faithful prayer. And in our community groups, we pray. In our corporate gatherings, we pray. In, in the women's Bible study, I'm sure there's prayer. Not just Bible study, right? In the men's gatherings, once a month, there's prayer. So prayer, the scripture, fellowship, breaking of bread, these are elements that we continue to cultivate as we do life together, as we seek to know God better together. We experience him corporately. And what we also see in the book of Acts is that they were united. All who and all who believed were together and had all things in common. 
uh, chapter 4, verse 32. Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one said that any of his things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. Now I don't think Luke, who wrote the book of Acts, is advocating um, communism here, right? This was a voluntary act of giving up their stuff. Many of them sold their homes to meet needs within the community, which is very inspiring and very convicting and challenging, thinking about the level of commitment that they had to be generous within the body of Christ. As there was need that arise, arose amongst them, they, because, because they had something much greater than anything this world has to offer. They experienced the gospel. They experienced genuine relationship with God. And they were showing with their actions that Jesus truly is better. And may we be like that. May we be so committed to God and to one another. That we look past one another's differences. That we open up our lives, that we open up our resources and our hand to give to one another, to give encouragement, to give prayer, to give financially to one another, to meet needs within the body of Christ. Because it's Jesus who binds us together. It's his love that binds us together. It's the gospel that binds us together as the people of God for the glory of God. And we're in this together. How comforting that is, how encouraging that is. You know, one of the things we like to say around here is unity in the essentials, liberty in the non-essentials, in all things charity. Liberty, unity in the essentials, that means we're united on essential biblical truths, gospel truths, foundational truths of Christianity that we're not going to compromise, we're not going to lower the bar with. Truths such as Jesus Christ being Lord, the way, the way, not a way, the way, the truth, and the life, the only way to the Father. Truth like salvation is by grace through faith, not of works, lest anyone should boast. We're not going to compromise those essential truths that the Bible teaches. But there's a number of other um, areas that the Bible addresses that are secondary issues, that are non-essentials, that we should give some space with one another and not, not be judgmental and legalistic about and disassociate with other brothers and sisters because of their, their view of baptism or, gosh, there's a number of other issues, whether they drink alcohol or not, a glass of wine or not. Right? It's clear that we're not to get drunk. The Bible doesn't forbid the drinking of alcohol. You know, or whether they watch certain movies that others watch. There's a number of secondary issues that the, that the, that the Bible um, gives us space to, to have different convictions about based on our conscience, based on our, our, our experiences. And it's the gospel that unites us. When we're able to major on the major... And minor on those secondary issues. It's going to cultivate unity. And so let me highlight just a couple of dangers here of isolation. The first one is spiritually drifting. Okay, this is a danger. When, we, when, when a person gets isolated, 
when a person is, is disconnected from the body of Christ, there's a danger of drifting. And so we're, Hebrews 3 says to exhort one another daily while it's called today, lest you be hardened through the, the deceitfulness of sin. Encourage one another. There's deception. When we're all by ourselves and there's no one else to speak into our lives and say, hey, brother or sister, this is what the word says. And, and we, we hear the word, but we, we may not apply the word in, in isolation. And, and James says if we hear it and we don't apply the word, we're deceiving ourselves. And being in community with other brothers and sisters who see your life and know your life, they can say, hey, I'm concerned about this. There's, there's some accountability that's brought to the table. I'm concerned about the way that you're talking. I'm concerned about the way that you're treating these people, the, the lack of love or, or the unforgiveness, the, the meanness that you're, you're conveying as you talk about that person. There's discouragement, there's despair, there's loneliness, vanity, and vulnerability, like a sheep that wanders from the flock. Those who are isolated become vulnerable to the schemes of the enemy. And so let us be those who unite across the differences, who unite, who, who unite on the essentials of gospel truth, on the essentials of Christianity. D.A. Carson says this. He says that the church is made up of natural enemies. What binds us together is not education, common race, common income levels, common politics, common nationality, common accents, common jobs, or anything of that sort. Christians come together because they have been saved by Jesus Christ and owe Him a common allegiance. Amen. They are a band of natural enemies who love one another for Jesus' sake. Amen? Amen. Amen. I mean, just, just think about some of the disciples and some, the, the crew that Jesus called to walk with Him. Like the zealot, Simon the zealot, and Matthew the tax collector. Rolling together, right? That, that's, that's, it's, it's kind of funny. And, and it, it's fun to think about what, what that could have been like in some of those conversations that they may have had, some of the tensions that they had as there were some natural enemies that Jesus brought together. Not, not based on their background, but based on his calling on their life and him being their Lord. And so let's look at a couple of points of application here. And this is, a, this is something we highlight in our Connect class. We actually go through Acts chapter 2. Those of you who have gone through our Connect class, we look at marks of a healthy church. And in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 2, we see marks of a healthy church. They were devoted to prayer. They were devoted to fellowship and breaking of bread. They were, they were devoted to um, the, the word. The apostles' teaching. These are all healthy things. They were, they were living on mission together. People were coming to faith as they saw their lives, their love that they had for one another, and, and as they heard the, the, the message that they conveyed and the message that changed their lives, people were being added to the church. God was saving people through their witness. May that be so for us as we pursue the knowledge of God together this year. May other people come to know Jesus. 
So here, here's a couple of application points for cultivating loving community here at City Church. First, show up. Your presence is important. Being in proximity of other believers. Okay? Don't forsake this. Don't neglect this. Don't let this be a habit, Hebrews says, of not meeting together. Because we need to meet together and encourage one another and consider how can I stir my brother or sister up in love and good deeds and point them to pursue Jesus and his will for their lives. And then look up. We are to have this this posture of submission ultimately to the Lord, but, but also Paul says submit to one another in reverence for Christ. Okay? A lot of husbands like to emphasize that that husbands submit to your wives first, right? Right before this. Or right right after this. Um, well, the Bible says that. But it also says that we are to have this posture, all of the people of God are to have this posture of submission one to another. We're to learn from one another because each of us have the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Living inside of us. If we're Christians, we have the Spirit of God living inside of us. And we're to have this humble mentality, this humble posture of learning and receiving from. And, and each of us are a part of the body of Christ. And we bring, we bring gifts and strengths to the table that we get to receive from. And we have a part to bring. And so we're to have this mutual submission in reverence for Christ. And by the way, this follows a command that Paul gave the, the Ephesian church to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Don't be drunk with wine. Okay, just to balance out my wine statement earlier. Don't be drunk with wine. Don't let the influence of alcohol dominate in your life. Okay? But instead be filled with the Spirit. May we be a spirit-filled church. May we put the sails up and position ourselves for God to fill us with his spirit. And he says, sing songs to one another. Address one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Give thanks to God the Father. And then submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. This is what a spirit-filled community looks like. And we want to be that. Open up. In transparency. You know, it's a little bit harder to do that here in the bigger gatherings. We have some folks that are really good at it. Who can come up here and just share some heart stuff and cry and just be very vulnerable. Because it's a, it's a habit that they cultivate within their community. Right? Not all of us are good at that. Some of us, many of us need to grow in it, including myself. Okay? But home groups and community groups provide a smaller space for that to happen. For you to open up about what you really need prayer about. And, and, and take off the mask. Take off the, the smile that's, that's not real. That you're trying to present everything's okay when it's not. As we, we like to say, it's okay to not be okay. Right? We're not perfect here. There's no perfect people here. Alright? And if you think... Anyways, okay. There's no perfect people here. And so we, we, we can open up about our common struggles as well. We have a common faith. We have a Savior that, that we look to. 
who cleanses us of our sin. 1 John 1, 7 says, If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. You see, if you're, if you're in bondage to some dark, weighty, shameful thing from your past that is holding you back, you need freedom. And the way you're going to find it is not by hiding it, not by trying to work it out by yourself and figure things out and pull yourself up by your bootstraps and present yourself as okay and, and, and just start coming to church and start being a better person. It's not what you need. You need to walk in the light and acknowledge your sin before God and be known in community. Be known with, by another brother or sister who can walk with you and pray with you. Confess your sins one to another. Pray for one another that you may be healed. This is what we do in community. When we're struggling, when we've sinned, we've failed, we want to be known, we, not only by God, but by one another in community. And this helps free us up from the shackles that hold us back. So let's pursue transparency, opening up. Now, sometimes for those of us who have bigger community groups, we, we may need to split up with, with, with men and women uh, or smaller groups and pray together. Um, or, or beyond just a community group, we may need to grab lunch or coffee with a brother or sister and just have a good long conversation and pour out our hearts or listen. Just listen. You know, I, I wanted to add in here, shut up. But that's for me. I'm, listen, listen up would be much better. Sorry. I'm sorry. Some of you are like, hey man, come on, it's almost 12, Pastor Keith. It's important that we learn, those of us who are talkers, in relationship, in community, to quiet down, to listen up, to be slow to speak, quick to listen, and slow to become angry. So that we don't stifle loving community around us. Right? We want to provide a safe space. For one another to open up and share. And then we want to speak up. Okay? And when we do speak up, Ephesians 4.15 says, Speak the truth in, in love. You see, we need this to flourish as Christians. We need both truth and love. Truth without love is cruelty. Right? Love without truth is it's just... It's lacking. It's, it's, it's shallow. Right? And the way that we grow as Christians together is speaking the truth in love. Speaking the truth of what God's word says. Lovingly communicating the truth. We grow up together. And lastly, grow up. We, we have to be intentional about growing up. Spiritual growth does not occur automatically. Not everyone who grows old grows up, unfortunately. We can all testify to that. We know somebody... Right? Who's an adult that should be a little bit more responsible with their lives. But it takes intentionality to do that. And it takes be, being uh, connected to a loving community who's in pursuit of Jesus. We grow in our knowledge of God together. We encourage one another in our relationship with God together. 
So I'm going to take my own advice and hush up here. Kevin, if you guys would come on up. Before Kevin and the team leads us in a song, I want to lead us in a prayer here from Ephesians chapter 3. A prayer for us at City Church. If you all would stand with me. We're going to read this prayer together. Make it our prayer together, an apostolic prayer. Ephesians 3, 14 through 18. In light of what we just talked about, knowing God together. Let us read this and pray this. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named that according to the riches of His glory, He may grant you to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we can ask or think, according to the power at work in us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations ever and ever. 